Thank you. You may be seated. Well, again, thanks for not going to the fair this morning. <laughs> How many of you have gone? Okay, a lot of you. That's great. Uh, state fair is kind of new to me. Uh, and, uh, you know, I love to people watch, so I love the state fair. And so, uh, you know what? I kind of always wonder, where, where do people go when they don't go to the fair? I mean, I mean, anyway, we'll, 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 I'm not, not going to get into all that. But anyway. Uh, Galatians chapter 4, uh, verse 8 is, is where we're going to be today. And we're going to go a little bit deeper into this issue of, of finding freedom or what does it mean, mean to live free in Christ? What does it mean uh, to be his child? And so the la- over the last four weeks, and, and I know we've been going over and over and over this, and, and Paul was talking to the, 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 the church there in Galatia, and for several verses, for several chapters, he's talking about this subject, and, and I think it's this. I think it's because it's, it's more than just knowledge. He's trying to help us to, to, to get, gain understanding. You see, it's more than knowledge. If we don't understand what he is teaching, then you know what? We can never apply it to our life. So it's deeper than just knowledge. It's deeper than just information. But it's much deeper than that about what does it mean to be a child? What does it mean to be in relationship with him? And so over the last few weeks, we've been looking at this subject. And if you've been with us, you know that we looked at the issue of justification. Justification means this. When we become a Christ follower and we are in Christ, we are justified. That is a legal process, or a legal event. It is not a process. It is not a, a, a process that we go through. It is an event. It is a one-time deal. You cannot be more justified tomorrow than you are today. You cannot be less justified tomorrow than you are today. That we are justified. So justification is this. Justification is declaring us righteous. We have the righteousness of Christ, okay? Adoption, which w- what we looked at last week, is, is this issue that we are adopted into the family. And uh, adoption is this. Well, justification is this. God declares us righteous. Adoption, God declares us loved. There's no such thing as an accidental adoption, right? It's premeditated. It's thought out. It's something that you do decisively. Do you realize what we learned last week? He chose you. He wanted to have a relationship, and he wants to have a relationship with you. And it's much deeper in rules and rituals and regulations and all of that stuff. It's coming into a relationship with him and knowing that you are his child. Listen, when you are in Christ, when you are a Christian, you're not trying to earn acceptance. You're not trying to earn heaven. You're not trying to jump through enough hoops or check off enough enough boxes so you get to go to heaven. It is something as a child that we don't have to worry about. We don't have to wonder about. As long as we're in Christ, we are his children. We are his child. Now, today we're going to look at, at several things, three things exactly, that has to be present in a relationship. It has to be present in our relationship with him. And guess what? It, it has to be present in a, in a marriage as well. It's three things, three, three things that we can identify that are healthy in, in all relationships. It's, there has to be intimacy, there has to be truth, trust, and there has to be a purpose. I mean, that's true in marriage, that's true in relationships, and that's true uh, with our relationship with him. Galatians chapter 4, if I can find it, (laughs) we'll look at the first one, which is this. In a relationship, there has to be intimacy in a relationship. And Paul helps them understand that. Verse 8 in chapter 4, watch this. Formerly, 
when you did not know God. Okay, so that's before they're Christians. That's before they're in Christ. That's before they've made a decision to be a Christ follower, to follow him. So he says, formerly, when you did not know God, I mean, before that time in your life, when you were enslaved to those by that nature who are not gods, in other words, before you met Christ, you lived like the world, uh, you followed idols, you followed things that were not of God. When you were enslaved, and so all of a sudden Paul builds this picture that you were a slave to those things. You were, you were almost like you were under their control. And remember in the Galatia church there were Christians that, that were, were coming to know Christ. And before they knew Christ, they were, they were Gentiles. So they were following the ways of the world, some other things. They met Christ. They come into the church, and then these Judaizers come along, the religious people of their day, and said, wait a minute. It's much harder than that. It's not Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. It's Jesus plus works, which in their case, it was circumcision, which in their case, it was following Jewish rituals, Jewish laws, uh, Jewish celebrations. So watch this. He moves on, but verse 9 but now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, that's important, we'll get back to that, how can you turn back again to the weak and the worthless elementary principles of this world whose slaves you want to be once more? You want to go back to the way you were living? You want to go back to being a slave to what you were once that gave you no peace? that gave you no acceptance, that gave you no security? Do you remember how that was? And so Paul's having trouble with this whole thought. Paul's having trouble with, why are they doing this? Verse 10, and you observe days and months and seasons and years. Now remember, they were Gentiles. They're not really turning back to the way they were. They're turning back to Jewish ways. Because the religious of their day was saying, oh, you want to go to heaven? you got to earn your way. Jesus' death on the cross, not enough. It's Jesus' death because of works and regulation and all this other stuff. And so all of a sudden, the Judaizers were putting pressure on them, and, and they caved. And Paul's like, this has no value to you. You're a child of his. You have been justified. You have been adopted. Man, you're in the family. You're not trying to earn your way into the family. In our day, if we, we put it in our terms, Paul would say to us, you think jumping through a bunch of religious hoops, you think your relationship, you think it's just about checking off boxes and doing this and doing that and doing this, you can earn your way to heaven? And we know in that, right, there's no real security because people that have tried to do that, when you talk to them, they never have assurance of salvation. They never know if they've done enough, checked off enough boxes, done enough of the right stuff to earn their way. It will always leave you feeling like, I just got to do more. And Paul is trying to help them understand that Christianity, it's a relationship. It doesn't really consist of rules and regulations to where you're trying to earn your way to heaven. Man, there's intimacy in the relationship. You're a child of, of his, and he's trying to help them understand that, and us, 
that if it's a matter of trying to earn your way to heaven, then you're no different than the rest of the religions in the world. All the other religions in the world, they're just trying to do enough to earn their way to heaven. And Paul says, that's not Christianity. Christianity is a relationship. Look at this, verse 9, and if you have your Bibles, man, I would encourage you to underline this verse, highlight this verse, star this verse, memorize this verse, because this verse will change your life. Verse 9, watch this. But now that you have come to know God, but here's the important part, or rather, to be known by God. Religious people are just trying to know God. Religious people are trying to know some things about God. But the second half of this verse gives religious people a, a tendency to pull back and get uncomfortable because Paul says, wait a minute. You don't just, when you're in Christ, you don't just know God. God knows you. I mean, that has to be present in a relationship, right? Intimacy in a relation is, is when you know somebody and they know you. That's the deepest form of a relationship. And the more they know about you, the deeper they know about you, the deeper the relationship is. And Paul is trying to get them to understand, wait a minute. God knows you. God knows your hurt. God knows your pain. God knows your faults. God knows your sins. God knows, God knows everything about you. And guess what? You're still justified. Guess what? You're still in the family. Guess what? He adopted you. You are his child. I don't know if you're like me, but I think it'd be pretty cool if some, some famous people knew me, right? I mean, we, we may all be like that, that we think it'd be pretty cool if some popular people, famous people, whether they're, they're heroes of yours or sports stars or, 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 or uh, famous people or whatever, that we may think it would be pretty cool if they walk in the room and they, and they knew you, right? I mean, there's something about us. I, I never forget, Karen and I, when we first met, uh, uh, we, we started dating in 1981, 1982, somewhere in there. <laughs> and uh, our first five dates were to the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo, because we were good Texans. And... Uh, you know, the li Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo, that's like a state fair on steroids. I mean, I mean it's unbelievable. If it, walks, uh, if it walks or swim, we kill it, we smoke it, we barbecue it, we eat it. I mean, I mean we're, we got chicken fried bacon on a stick, and I mean, we're paying, yeah, we're paying five bucks a shot. At, for, anyway, for, it, so it's just awesome. And so our first five dates were the, the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. And so, you know, and you know, in those early days of dating, you're still trying to win their heart and all that stuff. And so, well, so we go to the rodeo, and I notice on the deal that Earl Campbell is signing autographs. He plays for the Houston Oilers at the time. And you know what? Earl was raised in the same town that I was, Tyler, Texas, he, same high school. And so, so I didn't know him well, but I knew him. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to impress Karen. And so I said, hey, let's go get in line and get Earl's autograph. She says, okay. And so we're in line and eating our chicken fried, well, I was eating chicken fried bacon. <laughs> I think she was eating an apple. <laughs> like I'm so embarrassed, State Fair, and you know, or, anyway. So we get up to the line, and so we get up to the line. I'm thinking, I'm really going to impress her. So I looked across, and I said, hey, Earl, Charlie Jones, Tyler, Texas. He goes, wow. And so he stands up. I'm like, this is just too cool. He stands up. He, like, hugs me. 
And so we have a conversation, and I'm like, man, I am so in now. I mean, <laughs> there's something about that, right? And we walk away. We're walking away, and Karen says, now, who was that? I'm like, who was that? And so I realized, mental note, she knows nothing about football. And so I decided to continue in the relationship anyway. Uh, <laughs> but there's, there's something about in us, right? There's something about us that a relationship, there's intimacy. You know them, they know you. And the deeper they know you, the deeper they accept you, the deeper they know your faults, your blemishes, and everything. And they still accept you, they still love you, the deeper the relationship. This is what Paul's trying to get them to understand. You're not trying to earn their love, his love. You're not trying to earn his, you've been accepted. You've been accepted. Man, you've been justified. You've been adopted. You're a child of his. To know is not just acknowledgement. Man, he knows you intimately. Does it get any better than that? He knows things about you that maybe only you know. You don't want anyone else to know. Because you're afraid they'll reject you. And he chooses to walk into your life. They say a real friend is this. A real friend is a person that walks into your life when everybody else is walking out. It's a real friend. Your darkest season or maybe you have friends and relationships that are walking away from you. And a real friend is that man or woman in your life that walks in when everybody else is walking out and they're not judging you. God walks in. God's all in. God knows you. God knows you intimately. Paul's trying to help them to understand. You say, Karen and I, Karen and I have been married uh, 26 years and uh, our relationship marriage doesn't consist of rules and regulations right I mean I don't I don't come home in the evenings and get my checklist out and say better say hi better hug her I'll, I'll hug her now check I'll give her a kiss check I'll take out the trash check I'll, I'll mow the yard check I'll I'll pick up after myself check uh, you okay Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, ADD. <laughs> Sorry, Beverly. <laughs> and, 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 you know, marriage, a healthy marriage doesn't exist a bunch of, well, maybe a to-do list every now and then, but it doesn't, it doesn't exist of a, of a bunch of lists, right? But on the other side, I don't come home. And say, you know what? 26 years ago, I stood up in a church and I committed my love to her and I committed my life to her and I dedicated my life to her. We're good to go. I never have to tell her I love her ever again. Never have to show her that I love her. I, never, I can live as I want. I can do as I want. I can see whoever I want. I can make decisions however I want. Because after all, I committed my life to her 26 years ago. If she wants to know that I love her, just remember back to then. I told her then, and if anything changes, I'll let her know. 
Okay, so both extremes in marriage is wrong. I mean, it's just wrong. If it's rules and rights and rituals and regulations, then guess what? You become roommates. There's no intimacy. The other is wrong as well. Deep hurt, deep pain. You know, people treat God like that all the time. It's either rules, regulations, rituals, check, 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 no intimacy, no, no, no passion, nothing in the, in the relationship. But there are also some, and I know it's hard to believe. Say, I accepted you, prayed a prayer, walked the aisle, did whatever. If it changes, I'll let you know. I'm not changing my life. I'm not doing anything to show you that I love you and I care about you. I'm not making it a priority or anything in my life. Pray to prayer, I'm good to go. What Paul is trying to help them understand is God knows you and he wants to have a relationship with you. And we're not slaves to the law. We're not captives of the law. We are captivated by his love. And when we do that, changes everything about our life I mean I mean the motivation now is to show him our love and our in our commitment to him because we're in relationship with him there's in a relationship there's intimacy the second thing that has to be present in our relationship to him and our relationship in marriage is there has to be truth there has to be truth there has to be something to base the relationship on watch this Paul Paul says this in verse 16. He says, Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? Have I become your enemy because I, I, I spoke the truth in love? I told you the truth? He says, I've told you the truth. And even though it was something you did not want to hear, even though it was something that was, was popular, even though, even though these Judaizers are putting pressure on you to go back to religious ways, to be circumcised, to rules, rituals, regulations, no passion, no intimacy, even though, even though they're doing that, I told you the truth. You see, this is huge. I mean, there were people that were, were, were becoming Christians and they were being ostracized by their family. They were, living, they were leaving the religious ways of their youth, the religious ways, this religion that had no passion, that had no intimacy, that had rules and rituals and regulations, and it never felt like you were good enough or acceptable. And they're walking out of that. And they're being ostracized by their family. Some in our, some in our church have felt that that they've left the denomination of their youth or of their childhood and a mom or a dad hadn't understood it and they've been kinda ostracized or it's not even like they go to church anymore I mean Paul lost friends verse 29 watch this he says but just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit. So also it is now. Man, he's talking about persecution. Take your Bible. You can do this study anytime. Go all the way from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Look at this issue of persecution. And, and just, just as a side note, do you realize today we, we, we live in a world, 61 countries, 
the government persecutes Christians. You realize that? 61 countries in our world are currently, the government is killing, persecuting Christians. And there are people worshiping him at the risk of losing their life. I mean, I, I never will forget. And I did some mission work in uh, Beattlestock, Poland. And Beattlestock, Poland is, is near the Russian border. It's where the Chernobyl fallout had happened. And, and, I mean, it was really a tough time to be there because all the kids, uh, five years and younger, had huge issues, huge stomach issues and, and cancer issues. And because the fallout and the radiation and mom's nursing and pregnancies and all of this, uh, they were just all contaminated. And so it was just, it was a difficult place to be. It was just a difficult time of, of ministry. And so one day uh, a door opened up near the Russian border. And so uh, uh, one of the leaders came in and said, hey, I need some volunteers. And then we had a large group. He says, I need some volunteers who are willing to go to the Russian border and hold a church service, but there's great risk. So, uh, you know, I'm all in. And so me and another guy just thought it'd be cool. And so me and another guy signed up for the task. And so uh, we got an interpreter and we got a little car, which I mean, little car. And we, 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 uh, we headed off and uh, we got there and, and uh, two things happened that, that changed my life greatly. And so we got there early. And so the interpreter says, hey, you want to go visit a, a friend of mine? And we said, yeah, we'd love to. And so we went, and he, he couldn't speak any English, and so he's, he's in his 70s. Uh, he has arthritis. He's kind of crippled. Uh, he has no teeth, and uh, we learned the story, and so he took us in, in his back room, and he had, he had false bookshelves in his, in, his, in his back room, and he, he swung them open, and there are pieces of, of the Bible, and this man had spent his whole life smuggling Bibles into Russia. And he never could smuggle a whole Bible at a time. Sometimes it was pages. Sometimes it was a chapter. Sometimes it was a book. And then when they would catch him, they'd beat him. They'd beat him. And with tears like running down his face, he goes, over my lifetime, I've smuggled in over 70 entire Bibles to Russia. Yeah, he knew God knew him, and he knew God. He understood. And I look at us in contemporary Christianity, and we think it is not about sacrifice. God, you want me to do what? But see, when you come into a relationship with him, you live a life out to please him. We, we left there, and we did a church service, and and, uh, I mean, the place was packed at the risk of some of them, even us, losing our lives. And so the invitation came, and you couldn't ask them to walk down the aisle because of the threat of persecution because we didn't know who was in and who was out, who was with the government, who wasn't. And so you had them just look up and get them to, their eyes to meet yours, and so you knew, and you could pray for them. And that started taking place. And all of a sudden, somebody was in there taking pictures. And when the second flash went off, that place evacuated quicker than you can imagine because they were worried it was someone from the government that would identify them 
and pay a visit to them in their home. Paul is trying to get them to understand you're in a relationship with him. It's not something that you made a decision years back and say, hey, I'm good to go. It's not something where it's checking off a bunch of boxes. It is something which you come into a relationship with him. And there's great passion to follow him. And you take your life and align it with, with him. And, and we need God to help us, even when it's not popular. That if we take his word and if we value it and if we believe it and if we apply it to our life, if we live out this book, some will call us a fanatic. Some will judge us. Scripture says that everyone who wants to be, live, live a godly life will be persecuted. And Paul says, and I've said some hard things to you. I've spoke the truth to you and love. Isn't that important in a relationship? Don't you want some people around you that can speak the truth to you in love? And the only way you'll listen to that, if you're like me, is if you know they want the best for you. And Paul's like, these Judaizers, they don't want the best for you. I, I have said these things because I love you. And the Judaizers, they don't love you. They're a bunch of religious people that want to be able to brag about how many people follow them. It's for them. It's not for you. I've said these things because I love you and I care for you. And I want you to be able to receive his word and live out his word. So in a relationship, there has to be intimacy. In a relationship, there has to be truth. The last thing is this, is in a relationship, there has to be purpose. But there has to be purpose in our relationship to him and our relationship in marriage as well. Uh, verse 17 and 18. They make much of you, the Judaizers. But for no good purpose. It's not a good purpose. They make much of you because of them. So that they can be puffed up. So that they can brag. So it makes them look good. They don't even care about you. They care about themselves. They care about their agenda. It is self-serving. They want to shut you out. That you may make, here you go, that you may make much of them. Their purpose not for you, so that you will make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am uh, present with you. And what Paul is saying, spirit and truth go together. Jesus was asked the question about worship, and he said, worship is this, spirit and truth. You can't have worship with, with one without the other. And if you're a follower of Christ, there should be, be great affection, great passion for Christ in us. A healthy relationship has passion a part of the relationship. If not, you just become roommates. If not, you just kind of go through the motions. So is our relationship with him. Verse 19, watch this. My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth. What? Until Christ is formed in you. There's the purpose. When you meet Christ, when you accept him, Scripture teaches justified adoption, 
Christ comes into your life. And what he's saying is, is I've gone through great anguish, like childbirth, for Christ to be formed in you. That's the purpose called transformations, Romans 12, 1 and 2, to be transformed that we are becoming more and more like Christ, that Christ is forming in us, that we should look more like Christ as we walk with him. See, Christianity is a change from the inside out. Christianity is not behavior modification. We know that doesn't work. The religious will tell you it's behavior modification. It's just trying to learn to be a moral person. Moralism is not Christianity. Christianity is this. Christ comes into your life. Christ begins to be formed and developed and you're transformed to where you have different desires. You want to live for him and you want to please him and you want your life to line up with him. It is not from the outside in. It's from the inside out. And freedom comes in the Christian life is when we realize Christ is being formed in me. And when we have passion to be conformed and transformed into the image of others, we, we want to share it with others. Paul says, I have great anguish like childbirth for you that Christ be formed in you. When there's great passion, well, we want to help others. What would happen if we became a deeper New Testament community to where we weren't a room full of anonymous worshipers? But we came in community with one another, whether it's through life groups, whether it's through Bible studies, whether it's through service projects or mission opportunities. See, a lot of times what keeps people out of all of that, they'll say, I got to get better before I can come into community. I gotta change some things in my life before, I mean, I've gotta get good enough so I can come into a Bible study. I gotta get, I gotta get good enough before I serve at a deeper level. And Paul said, no you don't. Christ is being formed in you. What would happen if we came into a, a deeper New Testament community? You say, I'm a model Christ to the very best of my ability so he is formed in you. And I'm going to encourage you and I'm going to support you and I'm going to accept you and not judge you or criticize you or anything like that. I'm a model Christ to the very best of my ability for you. We're not talking about perfection. We're talking about a relationship. Jesus was talking in Matthew chapter 7 to the religious and it's so critical to understand the context so he's talking to the religious of their day and he talks about that day when they meet him and he says depart from me I never knew you and they're going wait a minute didn't we preach didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we serve in your name? Because the religious are going, whoa, 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 wait a minute. It's about the boxes. It's about checking off. Christianity is this, you knowing him and him, he knowing you. And he says, depart from me. I never knew you. 
few years later, when we were living in, in Houston, uh, the girls of the neighborhood, it, we were all, it was like our first home, and we're all ra raising young kids together, and so there's a lot of closenesses, one of my favorite neighborhoods that we've ever lived in, and uh, because everybody knew everybody. I mean, in the evenings, we're all out in the driveway, we're all talking, telling lies, telling stories, that whole deal, and so... Uh, so the girls decided they wanted to see a Broadway play. It was coming to Houston, and so uh, none of the guys, we wanted to watch football, none of the guys wanted to go. And, well, one guy did, and we asked him to move. <laughs> <laughs> that is not cool. And so, so anyway, so the girls decided to, so the girls decided to go to the, the play, and uh, the guys decided we'd watch kids and football, but it was really watch football and kids. And so, you know how that goes. And so, uh, so we're watching kids and just trying to keep them out of the streets and the whole deal. And so they go to the play. And then, then after the play, uh, they went to a really, I don't know how to describe it. It was before Starbucks, but it was like a place that only girls like, you know. Uh, I mean, the atmosphere was nice. They didn't serve you much food at all. Uh, you know, you know what I'm saying? Okay, okay. So they went to one of those things that we would never take them to or want to be seen in. So they're, they're sitting around and they're drinking their coffee and whatever they had. Uh, and in walks Warren Moon and a friend, quarterback of the Houston Oilers. And so the girls start talking and the girls are like, hey, I think that's Warren Moon. And Karen's like, who, who, who? And, you know, and they're like, yeah. So one thing leads to another. And so they talk Karen in, and it's so out of her character and personality, they talk her in to go in and get his autograph. So he's still up, you know, he's still walking in and trying to find a seat and everything. And so Karen walks in and taps him on the shoulder, and he looks at her, and she looks way up to him, and she says, Excuse me, you Warren Moon? And he goes, I don't know, who do you think I am? And Karen's like in shock. And so Karen says, well, to be honest, I don't have a clue who you are. My friends over there, and they're all like, they say you're Warren Moon, and if you're Warren Moon, my husband would love to have your autograph, but I have no clue about football or baseball or whatever you do. <laughs> and so he signed her an autograph on a receipt and handed it to her you know they're all high-fiving and getting excited and, and everything and uh, here's the here, here's the truth uh, one day we're gonna see God face to face and an answer is not I think I know you but I got a mom that knows you. I got a dad that knows you. I got family that know you. That's not an answer. You know the real answer? God will say, I know you. I know you. Because we've been in relationship together. Christianity, not rules, regulations, rituals. Christianity is to know him and him to know us, and he accepts us anyway. Would you bow your heads with me as we lead into the Lord's Supper?